Hello and welcome to Make It Happen, episode number 34. Hello, my name is Ali Meehan and I'm really excited to be back in the Make It Happen studio and to have our very next guest, who I'm sure you're going to love. Natalie Sisson has been a Twitter friend of mine for about 10 years, from when she was a suitcase entrepreneur and wrote a complete guide to creating a location-independent business and lifestyle you'll love. More recently, Natalie has returned home to one of my favourite places in the world, New Zealand. And while she's still helping entrepreneurs, she's slightly morphed into helping you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. So I'm privileged to introduce you to her. Hi, Natalie. Hello, how are you? I'm good. Good to see you. And thanks so much for joining me on this podcast. So So, excited to be here. Yeah, excited to have you here. So please introduce yourself. Yeah, so hi, I'm Natalie Sisson. I'm based out of New Zealand. And um, one of my favorite things to do in the world is help people tap into their potential and get paid to be them. So that's what I've essentially been doing, I feel, for the last 10 years of my business on a slightly windy path to get there. Um, Yeah, and just have always loved the online world and the ability to run your business from anywhere has always been something that has been my desire and something that I have designed my business around to suit my lifestyle. So that's what I'm all about. Perfect. Good. So we connected about 10 years ago when you were a digital nomad. Um, Today, the world's gone a bit digital nomad crazy. So what was your experience like? Because obviously you were probably one of the early adopters of it. Um, And do you have any tips for our listeners who are thinking about creating a digital life? Yeah, I was actually probably one of the earlier people 10 years or so back and things were so different then. There was no Uber, there was no Airbnb. You actually had to find your own accommodation, you had to travel around, you had to use different maps, etc. Um, but I love how so many people have embraced even just the location independent aspect of life, especially with all that's happened recently, people working from anywhere, people working from home. Um, but one of the things that I do mention in my book, The Suitcase Entrepreneur, that I think people need to really consider if they are going to travel and have a career and run their business is their propensity for, I guess, risk and adventure. So I think a lot of people have gone off and gone, oh, I'm going to go on a one-way flight and travel the world and go on a big round-the-world adventure. And then maybe two weeks in, they realize that actually it's not kind of suited to them. So one of my biggest pieces of advice for people was always take like a two or a three-week trip first before you sell your house and give up everything, just to see whether that sense of adventure in you is something that is there and also how you handle change and adversity um, and how you like different cultures and all those things because sometimes it just feels like the most appealing thing in the world and for some people it's like oh this wasn't what I signed up for. Yeah no that's great advice and how did you actually start then? I started way back so I did the world quit your corporate job in London England where I was take a one-way flight to Canada so I did take the risk but I was also fully ready to like be in a different country and I really wanted to work for myself um, so I started out that after creating my business which was just a blog and starting to earn some money from it through workshops and things I was like wait a minute why can't I run this workshop online and therefore if I did why couldn't I be anywhere in the world running this business not just in Canada even though I loved it So I took a bit of a leap after doing that to create some online offerings and then head off to Argentina and just figure it out. I had no idea. um, And I stayed in Argentina for five months. And then I just started literally bouncing around the world every couple of months, then every month and every week um, until it became a way of life for six and a half years. 
And how many countries did you visit or stay in? So far in my lifetime, I've been to 70. Um, but during that period of time, I think it was probably around 50 countries. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So while you were traveling, did you find any specific apps that you thought were indispensable? Yeah, there were definitely a couple. So Time and Date, uh, which is obviously a browser app, but also on your phone, I found amazingly helpful because, as you know, when you're traveling the world, there's constant time zone challenges. And even now when I'm in New Zealand, um, it's this constant thing of knowing roughly what time it is. But I found that super helpful for one, just knowing who I could be calling, what time my meetings were, and also countries that I was heading to, what I'd need to like think about in terms of my own schedule and how I could work around that. Um, so that was one of the apps. I used to really love TripIt. I don't use it as much anymore, but I love that TripIt would actually just store all your trips um, in one place. So you could see exactly what was coming up. They'd automatically add them to your calendar. You could see all the details. You could look at all the connecting flights, and you could also see what had been delayed, etc. So it was like a little pocket travel wallet in your pocket, basically. Um, and I think at the time, I'm not going to say generically, but I found really, really helpful Facebook back in the day because it was the the app or the social media site that I could use to say, hey, I'm coming to Norway. Just wondering if any of my friends are there. This is back when I think people were just using it much more for friend to friend and travel. And it was a brilliant way to actually kind of get an on the ground meetup or a bunch of friends or people that you could actually stay with or see or connect with before you got there. So I used to use that in advance of countries, also just specifically um, connecting with friends or people that I knew say hey I'm coming what can we do together or etc and I just I love that like those are the good old days yeah yeah <laughs> and you've settled back now into your native New Zealand so were yes. there any specific triggers that helped you decide you wanted to return home yeah a couple one was quite honestly Ellie just being a little exhausted after so much intense travel like looking back if I do it again I'd probably do more slow travel but I was honestly changing countries and locations and whipping across time zones at the speed of light and so I think after six and a half years full time out of a suitcase I was actually finally like hmm might be a little tired and might be just um wanting a little bit more of a a home base and the second thing was my dad got really sick um, okay. the year before and actually ended up I had to come all the way back from Germany where I'd been speaking at a digital nomad conference and he passed away about three months later and it just made me realize that um, I wanted to be home for my family and I wanted to be closer to that so it also just felt right every single other time I'd returned to New Zealand I wasn't ready yet and this time I was like actually I'd love to build a community on the ground and be back in my own house in my own country yeah yeah so how has being home-based affected your business now? So obviously you're used to being all over the place, but suddenly you're back with a base. So how has, has that actually affected your business or? It's actually not really because at the end of the day, you're still working from a laptop and a Wi-Fi connection, but what it affected was me. So personally, I went through a bit of a 180 degree shift when I came back because I didn't feel I could still be the suitcase entrepreneur, which is a brand and business I'd built for that entire time. It didn't feel quite right now that I was grounded. And also I felt like I kind of wanted to move on. So it was a good 18 months to two years of figuring out what my next part of the journey was, how I was gonna reinvent myself, who I wanted to be, what I wanted to work on. And it's not incredibly different. It's just a different market, a different niche and much more of a focus on women um, and that next sort of level of business. But I definitely think it just took a lot, it takes a lot longer 
then you realize to like reinvent yourself and really ease into that and and at the same time build up a community here settle into a new way of life I mean I feel like I went from this absolute traveling nomad to kind of a stay-at-home fur baby mum of one in a relationship <laughs> with this massive lifestyle property that my suitcase could fit in about a thousand times so it was just like couldn't have really gone to the different extreme but once I think I got over that shock, it was all about easing into, well, what do I want now? What opportunities do I have in front of me that I didn't have before? Yeah, yeah. So you you mentioned that you've created a community for female entrepreneurs to trap into their true potential. What yeah. roadblocks do you think are common when women are looking at what they have as unique skills and, and how can you help them clear the road or get out of their own way? Great question. I feel the biggest thing is that we get in our own way. So even though I've seen women with the most amazing talents and smarts and ideas and communities and opportunities, we are the ones who second guess ourselves, who doubt ourselves, who make things way more complex than they need to, who give up on things before they've really even had a chance to go. And often that comes from an inner place of not feeling confident about it or not having the right support around them, moral support, coaching support, um, and also just understanding what it takes to really build a business that you love and do that really well. So I think the biggest things are we get in our own way. <laughs> Women are far more likely to have the imposter syndrome, mainly because of our empathetic nature. We're very, very um, much more likely to feel a sense of being an imposter and not good enough and all those things. And when we feel that, unless we know how to deal with it and understand that it's usually from some sort of childhood trauma that we haven't dealt with, we often derail our own plans. So that's definitely something that I found. Um, yeah, and I just think that's really sad because that's why so many women-owned businesses are sort of earning under 50K a year. Um, there's very few female-owned businesses that are seven figures plus. There's so few women on boards, all the stats that we know about. Yet we also know the stats about how women can change entire communities, how they're incredible at building teams, how they actually bring people along the ride and make them more self-sufficient and more confident. So I'd love for women to step up more into those traits that we know are really, really important and actually really play to them and use them well. Yeah, yeah, no, it's really important. So I know that you're actually a role model to women, um, but do you have a role model? I have a few. You know, I've never been a big one for like loving somebody. I just really would admire them and think about what have they done really well. But I do love Maya Angelou just for her incredible words of wisdom, advocacy, poetry, and just the pure vulnerability that comes out of her and strength as well. Um, and obviously, like probably so many people, I just adore the story of Oprah's journey and the struggles and hardships that she went through at a time that was just super tough for a black woman to be getting anywhere. Um, and just how she's really just been the longest running media personality um, with just so much power, but that she uses in such a great way to change people's lives. So I do think that her story um, is super fascinating as well. Um, and then outside of that, I think it's more just like peers and friends who are just making things happen and who've had courage and strength to sort of pursue their own dreams, like more like just community and friends that I have around me that you may not know their names, but in my mind, they've just done really impressive things. Yeah, yeah. Um, what do you believe is the biggest challenge facing women today? Oh, that's a great question. Thank you for sharing it with me. Um, <laughs> biggest challenge, I sort of believe I might have just touched on it, but I do think it's about how do we dream bigger, believe more and actually implement that. I do think women 
uh, breaking through the glass ceiling barrier. We're doing more things than ever before where there's more women in leadership roles. Like I'm in New Zealand and we've just had our female prime minister sworn in again for another three years. Um, and I feel like actually coming from New Zealand, I've been super fortunate. I talk about this in my new book that's surrounded by strong, powerful female role models from a very young age, governor generals, prime ministers, heads of major companies. And yet around the world, I don't see that as much as definitely changing. But I think the biggest struggle that we have today is actually how do we continue to balance having a thriving life and a family with a business that can be really, really successful. Um, and these days I feel like people are more open to that, but I think it's been a changing mindset for women that they can have it all in many ways. Um, why not? Why can't we? Why can't we have a brilliant business where we do hire people in to help us out and be able to really make an impact and also have a thriving um, personal life and family life? So I think the impact, again, really is coming back to how do we dream bigger and actually make that happen? Um, and go for goals that were well beyond what maybe even 10, 20 years ago didn't seem possible. So I always, it might be a bit of a challenge, but I also see it as a real opportunity where more and more women are supporting other women, like with your beautiful community and network. And we need more of that because together we just go further. Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I love that. And it's, as you say, it's not just about us individually having a mission, it's about bringing others with us on our mission and um, getting them involved too. Uh, that's great. Yeah. Um, what book have you read this year which made a difference to your life and why? I've read a lot of books. I love Kindle and I love um, Audible. I've been listening to so many audiobooks, but I'll tell you which one's probably made the biggest difference that was at least a business book um, is the Stephen Covey's Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. I, I read that book back when I was 19 and I remember not quite finishing it, which obviously meant I wasn't a highly effective person. And now coming back to it, like, 20 years later it just was like wow I've actually been living my life around a lot of these principles potentially without even knowing or maybe there was some sort of osmosis back then when I was a young teenager to take it in but it's just a brilliant timeless classic book I mean there's a reason why it sold 30 million copies and I just love the you know even though I can't list off all the seven habits for you as I was going through it it's one of those ones I just want to pencil mark highlight keep coming back to because there were so many things where it's already directly affected my life and so many where I feel I can be a better person and improve it's just a brilliant book to be honest I just really really appreciate what's in it and how you can apply it directly for you personally and then to the wider network and then beyond to really make an impact so do you have a favorite habit uh do I have a favorite habit? Well, I think the personal principle of around integrity, um, which isn't just one of the ones that's in there, but I think that's always been something for me, having integrity in everything you do and how you approach people and how you live your life is really important. And I feel like that's an underlying principle that kind of weaves throughout all the things that he talks about and that personal vision. So yeah, I probably always had a personal vision for where I want to go. And that's one of the things that he gets you to do first and, and early on. And I wish more people would do that. It's been really successful in my business and also for all my clients that I work with to help them paint that vivid vision. Um, and I wish more people would do it because without a clear vision for where you're going, you're never going to end up there. And it's also way more fun to do than people think. I think people think, oh, I've got to sit down for hours and go through this, you know, line by line. But it's actually really exciting when you dream bigger and think about what could be and then actually make it happen. Yeah. And I think particularly at the moment, it's important for people to have a a future vision rather than being sucked in with what's what's going on around yeah. us at the moment what's your superpower 
My superpower is making the complex simple. So a lot of my clients and um, students will always say, oh, how do you make that look so easy? Or how do you explain that in a way that just makes so much sense? Um, and I love stopping people from overcomplicating things and asking the question, how can I make this easy? How can I make this easy? Which is a really great mantra to have as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, and I've seen you do that with your workshops. So um, yeah, you do make things simple. What's something you'll achieve in 2021? You mentioned the book, but I don't know if that'll be mm. out before 2021. So it will hopefully be out in January next year. And this is all, I'm really just sort of feeling into the COVID and pandemic and all the things because the title of the book is called Suck It Up Princess. And I, I just feel like people have been kind of sucking it up all year, to be honest. And I don't want it to come out and be something that like, really, you're telling me to do this? It's actually a super positive book on how you can basically reclaim your own time and life and live it amazingly. Um, that is huge for next year. And I think for me, it's actually just about really continuing to lay the foundations. This has been a big year in terms of change, hiring my dream team, getting my 10K club off the ground. And for me next year, it's all about just continuing to layer those foundations so they're really, really strong and be able to continue on my mission, which is to help a thousand women earn 10K a month and give at least 1% of that back to charities or causes that help lift other women up. So wow. that's like my bigger vision. And yeah. I know it's going to take years, but I just want to keep creating that ripple effect and keep helping women to be able to do that. Yeah. Yeah. You mentioned earlier about your 19 year old self reading the Stephen Covey book. What would be your advice to her? Mm. I've often thought about that. Have you ever done that? A letter to yourself and then yeah. you, you read it 10 years later. So I think for me, I would have just said at that time, take the plunge, take the leap into things that scare you sooner than you think. Um, because even though I think I've done that pretty well throughout my life, there were things like, you know, staying in the corporate world probably longer than I needed, staying in a bad relationship early on than I needed, um, not necessarily believing in my skills and abilities earlier than I needed when I started my business. And even though I built it really well, I just feel like there was some time there where I could have used it even more effectively. So I probably just to believe in yourself and trust your gut way more than you even give it justice, like way more than you think it deserves and really take the leap on those decisions and go for it and just be bold because life is short. And yeah. I know people say life is short, but it really is, isn't it? I mean, I just, things that have been going around this year, but even beyond that, just people that I thought would be around for a lot longer who've, who've disappeared from our lives. And I'm just like, oh, every single day you want to make the most of yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's great advice to finish on. So how can we best connect with you? And also, do you, is it possible to sign up for the book before it comes out? Uh, yes, it will be. Uh, that's the next step. Now that I've gone through a few rounds of launches and finally got the book in for editing, I will be putting that out. Um, so the best way to find me or connect with me, I'd love for people to come across and say hi um, on at Natalie Sisson. I'm pretty much at Natalie Sisson on Instagram and Twitter and all the places um, but I would love for them to listen into my podcast if that's cool if they love listening to podcasts to search for untapped in the iTunes store um, and also come across to nataliesisson.com forward slash impact if they want to learn about 10 ways to get paid to be you and actually make the income and impact you deserve that'd be a really awesome start brilliant thank you and um, thanks Natalie for joining me in the make it happen studio thank you we hope you enjoyed this interview this series is called Make It Happen and is about women who have made it happen in business or in life. If this is you and you would like to be interviewed, please leave a comment below. You can follow us on YouTube, 
or listen to the podcast on Spotify. Please click the subscribe button to be notified when the next episode is launched. If you're a woman who is living in Spain or a woman who is thinking about moving to Spain, please also come and join us at costawomen.com. It's completely free to join.